special series 007 and counting as we run through various films over the 50 years of the franchise James Bond uh, MI6 agent as we near the 25th film the release of the 25th James Bond film Daniel Craig's swan song no time to die which is slated it's getting close Isaac did you it's see it um, for early October? Did you watch as 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 we record this? It was uh, two days ago, I think. Maybe no, it was early last week when they dropped um, on Apple TV Plus. Uh, Eon dropped the Being James Bond doc. Um, yeah, I saw that. Did you see that. it? What did you think? Yeah. What did you think of that? You know, I liked it. It was um, it was uh, it was kind of bittersweet because I've I saw every one of these films mm-hmm. in the theater, and this is the first. This is the first uh, Bond. How do you say it? This is the first. Damn, how would you say it? I, I, I'm going to ask me that again. Did you see it? But it no, no I'm not going to ask you, you again. We're leaving this shit in. So did you? No, we're not leaving all that in. <laughs> yeah, we're, leaving we're not leaving in. all that in. Because I'm not saying it again. So <laughs> Yeah, okay. So here, This is the first know, Bond what? This is the first Bond that you have like your whole, like you've done like from start to finish. Like, because you, you came in like what, late? Not in the middle of Roger's uh, Roger Moore's run, but like his like prime third film, I think. Spy Love Me, right? Yeah, Spy Love okay. Me. So, but you and then you didn't really pay attention to, to Dalton at all. I didn't you know, see so. either of the Dalton films. Right. So. By that time, I had I had only seen one Brosnan film. Well, technically two, because I'd seen GoldenEye, mm-hmm. um, but I'd seen GoldenEye. You know, with other people, and wasn't really paying okay. attention. Okay, so I'll tell you, this that, is how you, know you I mean? this is how you put it. Craig is your first committed relationship in terms of bond. Ha, that's good. <laughs> there there yeah. it is. So from yeah. you were with him from start to finish. Yeah. Casino, Quantum, Skyfall, Spectre, everyone in the theater. And mm-hmm. so um a real time experience for each each film. And you know, living th- kind of watching him live through it. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember how I remember some of that press on how it was like the blonde bomb, mm. and yeah, how I didn't remember it was underwhelming. They showed, though <laughs> that was dramatic, man. That was, but did you like? I felt sorry for him for a minute. You know, that was like, yeah, I did too. He's they were like, he's just what they say, uh, unbelievably ugly. I mean, they just they, I was like, who were? Yeah, they were. This is really like British rough press, I guess. They just the gossip stuff. They just went off. And what was funny was, see, I had seen I had seen Layer Cake. And I had mm-hmm. seen Layer Cake. Um, I rented it, and it was a little bit before he got the role, or at least they announced the role. You know, right? So not so much that it made sense, but I was like, "Huh, okay." That I could see. Th- it was like I could see that yeah. based on that. You know, the character in Layer Cake and mm-hmm. what and how that story went. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I never had a problem with giving him a chance. Mm-hmm. I you know it's hard. I can't remember exactly my first impression of him. I think I was a little bit taken aback by how much he just didn't look like previous Bonds. You know, or the or the, the archetype of what you think you know archetypical Bond actor yeah. you know, is. Yeah. But it was you know that doc man. It just it surprised me because when they announced it, I just thought it was going to be much more fluffier than that. You know. 
Um, and cause it's, it, it's a promotional tour for the film, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's coming out right before no time to die. It's just, you know, something, I think they filmed it a, a year or two ago. Um, uh-huh. but they just held, you know, of course they kept holding on to it as the release date kept getting pushed, but it was not, it was just, it was much more, um, it was much more emotional, like you said, and it was more, there was just more depth to it than I thought there would be. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. It was, you know, to hear them criticize some of their own decisions was interesting as well. Um, they did kind of gloss over some things, of course, you know, in terms of quantum or definitely in terms of Spectre. Yeah. Um, you saw with Spectre, they just really focused in on his injury um, mm-hmm. and didn't get into as much of, you know, people were kind of disappointed with that film, especially here in the States. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it's just definitely worth a watch if you guys haven't checked it out. I think it's on Apple TV plus for a limited time. I don't know why it's limited, but, um, or maybe it'll be when they do the the Blu-ray release eventually for, no mm-hmm. time to die. It'll be included with the extras, but it's um definitely worth a watch. And I'm probably going to check it out again. But it's I think it's only like 45 minutes. Yeah, um, it's not that long. It was interesting I, to see some of the behind the scenes stuff. His screen test. I seen stills of his yeah. screen test when he when you know mm-hmm. when he was auditioning for the role. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very interesting to see actual live. You know him do the Vesper scene with that other actor um, actress. I don't know who that was, but that was interesting as well. It's just something cool to watch, you know, to get some, a little bit more insight into um, the last, what, 15 years of him doing this role. Yeah. It was good to hear from the producers also, particularly Barbara Broccoli. Yeah. Um, Cause I know that we have, uh, you know, we, 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 we've criticized Eon. We've discussed Eon a lot and um, to hear her in some ways validate, but in more ways, like acknowledge some of the things that we've brought up. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of showed that, oh, wow, they really do. I mean, of course, they care about the franchise. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I did not... It was different to see them, how they were on set and how they were involved and how they were yeah. Yeah. kind of curating Yeah, this. exactly. That's a great word for it, too. Curators. Um, if you... If you know, if you guys haven't already heard the episode, I can't remember what it was a couple months ago we did. You know, is James Bond the most important, most important franchise, franchise right now? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that that validates a lot of that as far as whether or not you agree with the, some of the decisions Dion's made. Their position, you know, as uh, as stewards of uh, this franchise, is very different than any other anything else in Hollywood. Um, and we're going back, like you said a while ago. Um, 50 years, this, this really 60 years, you know, next year is going to be the 60 year anniversary of no Dr. No. Um, so that's, you know, six decades. That's, that's unprecedented. So, um, I do think, you know, it was interesting. One, I thought it was very unique how they didn't show the conversation between the producers, Barbara Broccoli and, uh, Michael G. Wilson and Daniel Craig. It wasn't like the Mm -hmm. camera was ever one of them. You just always heard their voices. Yeah. Um, I thought that was I thought that was very interesting and, and very um, efficient and useful um, the way they mm-hmm. did it. Very effective, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I think it's, it's, it was just very it was if you're into this stuff, it was a unique perspective into this last, you know, 15 years and a good send off. I think from and Barbara Broccoli says something, man, that I just kind of like it. The one thing she said that really took me aback was when she said, I can't picture someone else in this role i'm paraphrasing yeah. but that's what she yeah. said and i'm I, like yeah. yikes <laughs> like, yeah, okay I picked up what's that, that mean <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying she was like it's hard for she i don't even think she said it's hard i think she just said i can't picture that one criticism and i i won't go into detail on the on this taping 
Uh-huh. So I don't, I don't want to spoil. It's like I don't want to spoil the spoiler. Mm-hmm. But did you pick up on what seemed to be a spoiler for No Time to Die? And and it would have happened when they in the documentary where they talked about the last day of shooting. Um, I think I know what you're talking about. I can't grasp it right now, but I remember at one point during that, I remember it's almost, I don't know if I said it out loud, but I remember saying to myself, at least, Ooh, I didn't know that, you know, yeah. cause, cause so many of the trailers over the last couple of years have laid out, you know, at least, especially like the first, you know, 10 minutes of the movie and have kind of given us a good idea of the plot. But there was something that was said in that documentary. I remember at one point thinking to myself, Oh, I didn't know that. Like they let that one out the bag. I don't know if you know it's what? the same one you're talking about, though. I think it's two different things. This I can okay. say. It looked like they leaked what the last shot of the film was going to be. Um, like how it, it, like basically how it ends. Mm, okay, not I the ending, that. not the ending, mm-hmm. but just how the film closes. And I was like, ah, if that's, I really hope I misunderstood what that is because I really, that's not okay. okay. Okay, we'll have to talk. About, you know what? We'll have to talk about that. Talk about that off uh, when we're not recording, because I, I now I want to know because I missed. If that's true, I missed that completely. So yeah. Um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about that today. What are we no, here to not. talk about? This is the penultimate episode of 007 and Counting for this this year. So what are we talking about? We're talking about 1999's "The World Is Not Enough." This is our first conversation around a Pierce Brosnan Bond film. Well, you know what? Let's let's kind of get into a few mad facts. And as we yeah, do lay it these, out for me. what was what was the context of? All right, yeah, actually, lay out because I mean, this is the penultimate episode of Double O Seven Accounting. But if it's your first time hearing it, how do we do this? How do we do these, Arthur? Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna discuss this film and all the other films in the Double O Seven Accounting series um, around some um, around a template that we'd like to use. And the first being what we call mad facts, which is where we're going to take a couple minutes and discuss where the franchise was as they were making this film. And as this film was released to set the stage for the environment of James Bond. Um, Then we're going to discuss the pre-title sequence and the song with titles. Um, Then we're going to get into rated bond. And this is where Isaac and I really start to flex and stretch out where we rate Bond himself in this film from his clothing, attitude, the decisions that he makes, etc. Um, then we compare the women versus the villains. Um, did the so-called Bond girls really steal the film or were the villain portrayals much better and more solid in the story? And, this uh, and then one, we I wind think- up. This one, this women versus villain is going to be much more interesting, I think, than any of the other ones we've done before. Just a little teaser for that. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, though. I think so. Yeah. Uh, then we'll have some last words, our overall thoughts about the world is not enough. And we wrap up with a Q&A, uh, a question in Arthur, where uh, I play a trivia game with Isaac, where, um, you know, he does the best he can to throw me off. And uh, <laughs> I, I get all the answers right. Right, so right. that's exactly how it goes. All right. So mad facts. What was the what was the lay of the land right here? And this is kind of the midpoint of Pierce Brosnan's run as a, as a 007. So what was the lay of the land, essentially? Well, the lay of the land was that Brosnan films did well. The Brosnan Bond films always did well, um, starting with Goldeneye, which which rounded like I think it, it hauled in over 300 million in the box office. And it absolutely doubled what the Dalton films the two Dalton films 
had done. Um, Tomorrow Never Dies. So let's do it this way. Brosnan films, there were four. GoldenEye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, and Die Another Day. Uh, he did four. Um, you know, Of those four, the advent of the PlayStation, Sony's PlayStation, happened. And a, the, the tie-in video game for the film GoldenEye um, did, did, did very well sales-wise. Um, in fact, someone randomly talked about it in the conversation that I was in that didn't necessarily have to do with James Bond so much as, you know, it was about waxing poetic over this GoldenEye game. Do you remember um, that game? Did you? I don't know. Were you a gamer back I'd then? seen it. I wasn't, but my younger brothers were. They had mm. PlayStations, mm. and they loved it. Mm. Okay. Um, I don't remember it at all. I wasn't a gamer I don't remember point, if they had a Tomorrow... I don't know if they, I don't know if they had the Tomorrow Never Dies game, mm-hmm. Um but I remember Tomorrow Never Dies being kind of like a big deal. Uh, Michelle Yeoh was in it. A pre-Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon Michelle Yeoh mm. was in it. Um, all of these Brosnan films were just really, really heavy on the action. Tomorrow Never Dies, um, I mean, they they kind of went... I think it was, was, was sort of the apex where what they wanted to do stunt-wise m- matched what they were able to do effects-wise to mm. get these stunts done. Mm-hmm. So that was very different than some of the some of the um, stunts and attempts of you know earlier earlier Bond films. Right. Um, right. So these are very very action driven films. Right. I mean, this is you know technologically, I think this definitely represents the Brosnan era. Represents a big leap forward. You know, it's like a before and after the watershed moment between mm-hmm. you know what you saw in the mid to early eighties and back in the seventies and sixties. Versus what you would see in the late nineties and two thousands. Um, but in, I think it also should be noted that there, I think there was six years in between, you know, license to kill and Goldeneye. you know? Um, so well, there, you know, to kill was 89 and so golden. I come out 95. Yeah. 95, 96 or something. Like that. Okay. So, I mean, there was, there was, yeah, there was a significant amount of time where bond was not a part of the, public conversation you know the the mm-hmm. entertainment conversation and, and and as far as you know new releases so yeah you know golden eye made a huge you know i mean it's one of the i'm sure a lot of people are listed as in their top 10 you know as far as their favorite bond films mm-hmm. um and tomorrow never dies continued that success although arguably just it, you know the, the second half of that movie fell short but yeah a world is not enough i think it's a unique film, man, because it's in between. Because really, and I know Brosnan is kind of one of your your blind spots, almost as far as Bond is mm-hmm. concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I think no one can really argue that his tenure started with one of the best Bond films and ended with one of, if not the worst Bond films. You know, mm-hmm. I'm talking generalizations as far as like generally how fans feel. You know, there's always mm-hmm. obviously all of this is subjective, but. That's a unique, you know, run and kind of in the middle of this is world is not enough. Or even though it's the, this the penultimate, uh, film in his run, it kind of sits in the middle as far as that bridge between where you were with golden eye and mm-hmm. where you eventually get to a die another day. Yeah. And it's a very, it's a, it's a very interesting film to me. And that's why I think instead of, um, going for golden eye or even tomorrow never dies, for us, for, for 007 and counting, I thought it'd be more interesting for us to look at this film. So, but yeah, so that, I mean, that's how you laid it out. I think that was kind of what the public, where we were when this film was released, Bond was kind of back on top again, wasn't he? I mean, he was, you know, after that, after that kind of 
the lackluster um, response to some of the Dalton stuff, um, which, you know, I, I disagree with the house, how many people saw those films, but that's, you know, that's what happened. You know, those films didn't make as much money as, as these Brosnan films did. And then there's that six year gap. Now Bond is kind of back on top. So mm -hmm. that's where we are with um, The World Is Not Enough. And it's the third film and a lot of, you know, a lot of these Bonds, man, if you look at Connery, if you look at Roger Moore, if you look at Daniel Craig, a lot of these Bonds, their third film, you know, is the one that really is the one that they feel most comfortable and they just really capture the role. So going into this, it was kind of like, okay, is this going to be um, Pierce Brosnan's Goldfinger? Is it going to be his Spy Who Loved Me? You know, mm -hmm. um, just like with Daniel Craig, people are like, okay, is this going to the Skyfall going to be Craig's, you know, Spy Who Loved Me or Goldfinger? So mm -hmm. um, I think that's where we were going into this. Did you see it in the theater? I don't remember. Um, I know I saw Die Another Day in the theater. <laughs> I won't forget that. Mm -hmm. um, I saw Goldeneye in the theater. So I must have saw World's Not Enough in the theater. I believe yeah, I did. Okay. I mean, Brosnan is not my blind spot like he is for you, but he is... You know, I've said before, Roger Moore is the first Bond that I became aware of, you know, consciously aware of as a very small child. Yeah. Um, but by the time we got to Brosnan, that six years, it had an effect on me, you know, to where I wasn't as into, you know, I, you know, when Goldeneye came out, I was like, OK, cool, I'll go check it out. Mm -hmm. But my, you know, the passion hadn't been reawa reawakened, but I liked Brosnan um, and I, I believe I did see this in the theater. And this would have been, let me see, this was 1999 when this movie came out. So this is right yep. before the millennium. Um, I was here. I was in Chicago at that point. Um, I don't know. That's a good question, man. That was a good question. If I did, I probably would saw it with you. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm saying? saying so. And around that time, it's like, you know, we had some real decisions to make with our money. <laughs> right. It was like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's costly. I'll wait. <laughs> right, yeah. I'll wait to see that on the bootleg cable. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so, all right. so titles and song. Um, so you know, I, I, I overall, I, I like this pre-title sequence. Mm -hmm. I think it had a good dose of of story setup, mm -hmm. uh, as well as um, action to close it out. Going into the going into the title sequence, mm -hmm. um, uh, this was one of those Bond movies where the actions of bond are germane to the rest of the story. So if you really didn't pay attention here, you know, Oh yeah. You, you, there were, there was a lot of stuff that you would yeah. not have gotten. Yeah. The big, I mean, the with. big, the big plot point happens in this, this pre talk. I mean, really two big plot points, but yeah, yeah, you had to, this was definitely connected. This set the ground for the rest of the film. And, um, some gadgets come into play also mm -hmm. in this. And I, I, also, what also comes into this is kind of Bond's blind spot, which usually is whatever pretty woman is in the room. <laughs> right. Uh, what did you think? Did you did you I, like you know what? this listen, one? Listen, I have, I have strong opinions about this one. This is one of my favorite pre-titles. I know I said that about oh, really? Living Daylights. Yeah. Um, but this is this is one of my favorite pre-titles because and I think Daylights and a couple other ones are more subjectively personally my favorites whereas I, this one it is personally one of my favorites but also mm -hmm. i think it's just on a very objective technical basis i just think it's a fantastic you know pre-titles um now let me ask you this did you before i get into it did you know that originally 
the pre-title sequence was strictly the the stuff that happens in Spain, you know, the bank scene where he, you know, gets into it with the bankers and the, the yeah. bodyguards and he jumps out the window. Originally, yeah. that was the end. That was the end of the pre-titles. Once he comes off that comes out that window mm-hmm. um, and rappels down using the mm-hmm. uh, the, the uh, blind cord or whatever. And he lands and he kind of looks around. Perfect. By the way, Paris Bronson was perfect at that. You know, very his his comic timing was very good. And he had a very kind of like a smug comic um, sensibility um, mm-hmm. where he was, you know, straightening the tie, looking around like, you know, what the fuck is going on? Why are you, mm-hmm. you know, this is why a normal you, why day you for looking me. At me. Why uh-huh. are you looking at me? Like, this is a normal day <laughs> yeah. for me. Of course, I just repelled out that window. What, what were you doing? You know, why mm-hmm. are you looking at it? So it's like he, he does that perfectly. But after that, that was supposed to be, OK, cut, go to the titles. They, I think they previewed that. Eon previewed that for some test audiences, mm-hmm. and it just felt a little flat. Like it was kind of like, oh, that's it. That's that's it for the pre-titles. So they extended it, and you get the whole, you know, the boat chase in London. So it ends up being one of the longest pre-titles in the entire series. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. I think you know, like I, I didn't even think about it until you just said it a minute ago. Yeah, you get a gadget early on, like the, with the glasses, you know, and, yep. and the gun and the explosion. That I don't, you know, I'm sure that there's there's pre-titles where he's used gadgets before, but that is, I think, kind of rare for that to happen immediately where we don't even know what the gadget is. There's no cue intro for the gadget. There's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just boom, you know. Um, so that was unique. Also, it features um, a woman I fell in love with, um, Maria Scar- Grazia Cucinota. Um, I know I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but I don't care. <laughs> yes, yes. Maria and that would be <laughs> yeah Maria Garcia um, Perry um, she <laughs> Julieta da Vinci is is actually that character's name oh is that the character's name I've only known her uh-huh. as Cigar Girl okay I didn't know that where did you find that at wow that's a deep cut I huh? mean you know okay. it should right, have been a trivia you. question right. brother <laughs> right that's you that's I, I think you I need roll. I think I need some points behind well, that you, just you just on just, strength you did just tell me my ex wife's name so um, <laughs> which I didn't know. But uh-huh. yeah, so she, you know, I fell in love with her in 1994 with uh, Il Postina, um, mm-hmm. Postino, excuse me, which mm-hmm. was a film. I don't know if that was, if it was an entirely Italian film because I think the director was British, but mm-hmm. it was, it was a great indie movie. Um, I saw it, you know, in, when I was working at Blockbuster Video, I think I saw it, it was just like uh-huh. on the shelf and I just ran, I just took it home and watched it like repeatedly for like weeks. Um, it was a great film. And she was great in it and I fell in love with her. And so when she was in the Bond movie, I was like, oh my God, that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I couldn't believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I don't think she is funny, man. I don't think she spoke at that point, very good English, which is why she only has like one, like one line. I think she says, let's go. No, she says, let's go. And then she tells Bond, you not from him. I think that was like her only, <laughs> her only lines in the pre-title. Um, but I thought she was fantastic. You know, she was believable, um, as an assassin. Um, of course she's beautiful and her role, you know, like you said, it kind of lays out, she's the first person that gives us an indication of the villain, you know, somebody that's so fearful that she would rather blow herself up, you know, than face, you know, good, you know, the fact that she failed or the fact mm-hmm. that she was captured. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then of course the boat chase, bro, the boat chase, yes. that yes. was phenomenal. That is a great, it, you know, it has a moment of almost Roger Moore, um, comic, you know, absurdity when he, the boat, you know, leaves the water and it's just like going down the street. 
um, which was reminiscent of, I believe, was in Moonraker when Roger Moore was in the gondola or whatever. I think it, it, yeah, I think it was Moonraker. Yeah, so it was. Reminiscent. I actually thought it was Octopussy until you said that, but maybe yeah, it, was it was Octopussy. Moonraker. But it was it was reminiscent of that, and but it was still somehow Pierce and the filmmakers made it believable, not believable, but not so absurd that I'm like, what the fuck is this? You know, it was it yeah, because like, he 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 doesn't drive. He basically doesn't drive the boat through the streets so much as. You could plausibly say that the momentum of what <laughs> he was momentum, doing to right. get him across the two blocks that he goes to before he gets back in the water. But yeah. Right. And it doesn't distract from the intensity of the scene, of the the sequence, you know, the chase mm-hmm. sequence. Um, and Pierce, like, through it all, man, he's getting he's getting effed up. He's got water hitting him. He just looks very uncomfortable. But then, of course, he goes underwater. And like I said earlier, he straightens his tie, you know, classic Pierce 007 move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it had, I think this pre-titles had everything um, that you really could have wanted from a pre-title sequence, just fantastic stunts. And it's arguably the best action sequence in the entire film. And it happens within the first 10, 15 minutes. Um, so I, I'm, uh, this, this pre-titles is definitely one of my favorites. All right. What did you think about the song, Arthur? Um, cause we, I love how I, let you me know, just say this before you, before you say that, I do love how he injures his shoulder, hits the, um, the side of the building pre-title or the song starts and then you see him drop and just kind of like right. wander off because his shoulders i love that shit yeah i love it's it when a they, great transition yes from the live yes. action to the animated effect yes the, they did the something similar in skyfall when he hits the water and you just see him sink and then the you know the woman's hand grabs him or whatever i, I mm-hmm. love when they do that okay mm-hmm. so what did you think about um the song by garbage you know i liked it i think it did i think it did fit the tone of the film and Especially when I put the Brosnan's um, era in context with it being very, you know, mm-hmm. action driven and, you know, just a margin above the top, over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, it fit. It fit mm-hmm. to me. Um, garbage, I thought was. So so if you remember when we were talking about Tomorrow Never Dies and I was saying Aha's theme just seemed like it was snapped on mm-hmm. because Aha. I didn't think was as big of a deal as they were making aha to be. Mm, you said that about for your eyes only too. Yeah. Um, I don't feel, I don't feel this way with, with garbage. Mm. Um, garbage. Uh, now I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I was about to say, are you a aficionado? It's yeah. Like you got I'm not albums. a huge like, garbage you know aficionado, but you know, a couple of interesting things that I kind of remember or sort of know about garbage Mm-hmm. Was that you know they were kind of a they were a very popular you know alternative sort of post grunge band. Um, their lead singer Karen O, she was the one that went on to sing the theme for um, Crossing Tiger Hidden Dragon. Crossing Tiger Hidden Dragon. <laughs> That's what I was girl, what? <laughs> girl, right, she sings in Mandarin. No, <laughs> that girl got talent. Uh, right, a uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, okay. And oh. she does the cover of Les Zeppelin's Immigrant Song. That's Karen O. The world is It seemed to be sort of a better balance of, of mm-hmm. you know, um, not spectacle, but, but you know, um, youthful, sort of in the moment with the right. music matching right. it to a yeah, popular franchise. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 
So, um, yeah, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, this is this is probably this this could be one of my. Uh, I mean, certainly in my top ten post-title theme packages mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a Bond film. I mm-hmm. think. I think. I think. It, you think they work it, well it, together. I think they work well together. It's not on the level of, of Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. That was just incredible with the yeah, yeah. playing cards and everything in terms of thematics, you know. But this was very, very, very good. So now you, because sometimes you are critical of the use of women, naked women, basically in the, the titles, um, the title designs. So how did you feel about, because this opens up with um, a group of naked women, beautiful women dancing in the oil, you know, dripping over their silhouettes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel like that? Did it seem artful to you or did it seem gratuitous or how did it feel to you? It seemed, it felt more artful. It didn't yeah. stand, it didn't stand out. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, you know, in it's hard, but in just, just the devil's advocate for a second for some of the previous and post use of, uh, you know, the naked silhouettes in the, te- the title sequence, which is a trope, you know, with the Bond yeah. series. Yeah. But there's also that kind of um, that performance art aspect of it, you know, again, right. the devil's advocating, so I'm right. working hard here. Right. But there's that, <laughs> there's that performance art aspect of it where it's like, okay, the tableau of, you know, beautiful naked women or just mm-hmm. the thematic quality of that is something that's consistent within the ethos of James Bond, you know, so... Yeah to show that how do you bring that into the title sequence in a tasteful artful way, but maintain the sensuality, the sexuality, the beautifulness of it. Um, and then tie it also into the, the narrative. And I thought they did a really good job of that, especially within the first opening couple moments of this title sequence where you see, you know, bond, like I said, he falls from the, from the building, he limps off um, injured. And then mm-hmm. the women come in and it's like that, kind of shifting um, angle on, I think it's four or five women and you see the the oil start to drip across the silhouettes. I thought it was, I thought it was really nicely done later. You know, that some of the stuff that happens later with the oil refinery and the tank, I thought it was a little heavy handed, but yeah. um, even though they were kind of moving, those big tanker things were moving in rhythm, which was kind of cool. But the use of women or the use of the female body, I should say early on in the title sequence, mm-hmm. I thought was artfully done. Um, whereas, you know, you could look at a lot of title sequences and it, and it does feel very gratuitous and borderline offensive at times. Um, so this, I thought this was, this was well done. Um, so, okay. So, but my, really quickly though, before we move on the garbage song for me, this, this song and tomorrow never dies, Cheryl Crow's tomorrow never dies. Mm-hmm. Um, usually are not at the top of the list, you know, for, for Bond fans when it comes to naming theme songs. They're like, um, I defend both of these songs. So, mm-hmm. um, both the tomorrow never dies and world is not enough to me are very, and I said this previously, I think about the aha song, they're Bondian songs, you know, yeah, okay. the world is not enough. Sounds like a bond song, you know, the horns, just everything. It just feels very much like a nineties, Pierce Brosnan Bond song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's not something I think I would just like listen to you know by myself just chilling or whatever but it is something that when it comes on the screen and it's it just got I immediately feel hyped and ready for this story especially based on the pre-titles that I just watched so I think this song fits perfectly and it feels um of the moment like you said it feels contemporary yeah. it also feels appropriate the lyrics feel very appropriate for the narrative the story we're about to watch um, so I, I, you know, I'm not, I don't know. I, I know very, very little about garbage. Like you just, 
hugely educated me on garbage right there. Um, but that that song, I'm definitely a fan of that song. Overall, the score, David Arnold's score. Did you like mm. it? Did you hold on? Did you go back? I texted you last night. I did. did. You, okay. I so did. I did. I te- I text Arthur last night or the night before when everyone was like, "Listen, when you're watching this film, there's that moment when Bond in the pre-titles." Bond steals Q's boat. Q says it's his fishing boat. <laughs> so yeah. he steals the boat. Jettison's out of MI6. And the moment he leaves MI6, man, and it's kind of, I don't know. It was just like, he just shoots out the wall. Yeah, dude's airborne. Uh-huh. He's airborne. And the Bond theme kicks in so motherfucking hard. And it's like, it's I I, I, I kept rewinding it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then it's turning the volume up even more because it was just like so emphatic, you know? Um, perfect use of the Bond score. But overall, I think, you know, David Arnold, man, he just, he's second only to, to John Barry to me. When it comes he's to got a lot of John Barry cues yeah, in there. He has that it, sensibility. Yeah. There was another one, not as not as dramatic, but there's another one when, when earlier, when mm-hmm. he's escaping the Swiss bank office mm-hmm. and you get the Dan Electro guitar and then you get mm-hmm. the, the sweeping strings. Dun, dun, mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like some Bond shit is about to yeah, jump off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's funny because you know, after because the gun barrel sequence that opens this movie is not one of my favorites. Like the music they use for the gun barrel is very lackluster to me. Even even Bro- like Brosnan's real casual. Like you know he's yeah. kind of watching he has, he and he kind of goes yeah. ah, but you know. <laughs> but you know Daniel Craig he'd be getting down on again. one knee. You know and Roger Moore he'd be jumping <laughs> and stuff. And it's like then you know again this is why we got Brosnan's all casual y'all can't with see it. The moves that Arthur is making here, just like reenacting <laughs> this, it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, but Brosnan's turn, once he does turn, he has a very solid stance, but the music for this one just was real kind of like, mm, that's it. Like for the gun barrel music, I was <laughs> yeah. like, well, but then immediately afterwards, when it cuts into the title sequence, like you said, pre-title sequence, and you hear that, you know, the slow strings, and everything I'm like, yeah, David Arnold, you know, there's, there's a lot of scenes, man, with David Arnold, you know, and especially in a uh, later, um, well, not die another day, um, but because he didn't do that film i think that was uh eric what's his face but there's sometimes whereas david arnold's music is what's the is the best thing about the scene you know mm-hmm. and then if mm-hmm. it's a great scene his music just completely blows it you know takes it to another level mm-hmm. um and i love he constantly is taking the theme song you know the world is not enough garbage theme song which he he wrote i think with uh don black and he's he weaves it in throughout the movie you know so you get mm-hmm. elements of it here and there and i love it when i love it when scores do that um, I wish they did more of that now. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of the score. All right. So let's move into um Rated <sighs> Bond. Rated Bond. All right. How um, do you think how do you think he was in this film? And you you don't have as much context or as much um comparison. You you can't really compare him to some of the other movies because you're not as familiar with his other three, but how did you think Bond performed, you know, especially coming off of the Dalton conversation we just had? So how did you like Bond or dislike Bond in this movie? Um, you know, Brosnan, he's not my favorite Bond. Now, you know, I, I, I really, I did enjoy Brosnan and Goldeneye. And in here, I've always kind of taken Brosnan as like a, like a quote unquote, like a more serious Roger Moore. Mm-hmm. Um, mm, that's a good way to put it. I've kind of, I, you know, I, in earlier, in earlier 007 and County shows, I've talked about, you know, the Connery Craig not highborn bond they kind of came into like they yeah. you know they got a job they got an expense account so 
Yeah. <laughs> they can go in. in the beginning. Yeah. They can go and learn what to buy and how to dress and how to eat and what they should be. But more in Brosnan seems to be more highborn coming into the job and into this lifestyle mm-hmm. where there's more entitlement inherent entitlement in their in their portrayal of James Bond. Mm-hmm. And that's always been a bit of a turnoff for me because it always sort of lessens the the grittiness of the character, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Brosnan doesn't seem Brosnan doesn't seem dangerous mm. just in his persona. Hmm. Okay. Right? Brosnan is a trained killer and I believe that there's a difference. Mm. You know, like Daniel Craig will crack a shot glass and jam it into your neck to kill mm. you. Mm. I don't see Brosnan doing that because he doesn't want to get blood. He may, he, he'll get his clothes wet, but he's not necessarily <laughs> going to get blood all over his stuff. Blood don't you come see? out. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You, that's, that's so interesting, man, because I was just about to say we have some DO. We have some diametric opposition because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he does seem dangerous to me. But then you said... He seems like a trained killer, like a trained kind of dangerous. Whereas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Craig, or I'll throw Dalton into that. Dalton just looks dangerous. Like he, when yeah, he, that's you know, fair. he looks yeah, like, yeah. He mm-hmm, looks like mm-hmm. just something, something might be a little off. Mm-hmm. And Brosnan in the beginning of this film, when he's in the banker's office and he says to the guy, um, you know, the guy's like, I'm giving you a chance to walk out of here with the money. And Brosnan right. says, I'm giving you a chance to walk out of here with your life. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. I kind of like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. It's like, that was, a ni- that was a nice line. And then when he grabs a dude, he's got the gun in his face and he has that look on, Brosnan has that look on his face, which is his equivalent of, you know, assassin look, you know, danger. Right. I'm, right. I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it needs to be done to get the job done. But I like the point. So I was going to say, yeah, he does seem dangerous to me, but I like the point that you just made. It, it feels more like a trained type of, a, of right. danger. Yeah. Because when he grabs the banker and he's got, he's got his gun to the banker's temple. Mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, like it manifests a blind spot that Bond has. He forgets all about Cigar oh, Girl. <laughs> Craig would have either taken her out like, or I'm he would. I'm about to holler at her later on. I got to find her. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Like she's not a threat. But I, right. you know, I, I, I don't see, I don't see Craig not perceiving old girl as a, mm-hmm. as not being a threat. Let me stop saying old girl. But um, yeah. Julieta, yeah. I don't perceive, I believe that Craig would have read the whole room. That's that's an excellent point because I again I do think that Brosnan can be dangerous, but last when we were talking about Living Daylights, I think you even asked me or maybe it was, I think it was one of our our listeners on uh, Twitter asked, would we how would we perceive you know um, yeah. Living Daylights with Brosnan in it, and I do see him being able to you know emote that danger. A, you know, mm-hmm. as- dangerous aspect, mm-hmm. but not in the same way that Dalton does, or not in the same way that Craig does. Dalton is the best to me. Um, maybe not even in the same way that Connery does when he gets mm. when he got cold and real assassin like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think those are those are great points you make. Um, so yeah, I, so so but that was so your um, your kind of like how you perceive him that way. It played into how you felt about him overall in this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about does. what about the other side of Bond? So if you take the danger out. What about how do you feel like he handles the other aspects of Bond? The lover man Bond, the 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 funny Bond, you know, the one liner Bond, um, the action Bond. How do you feel like he handled all that? I think he checks all the boxes. I think he's less creepy than Roger Moore ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he. So, well, let me say this and. 
I'm going to try to do this as non-chauvinistically as possible. Cause mm -hmm. so Pierce Brosnan is easy on the eyes, mm -hmm. right? So it seems more plausible that, oh, that women would throw themselves at him. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Cause you Electra see? does, she does make it very clear early on. I mean, she asks them, she's like, stay there, stay here. You know, stay yeah. here, and they've only known each other for a very short amount of time. Right? Um, he's is he more? Is it not just also because I mean, Roger Moore is a good looking guy. All these guys are big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not right. And right. right. Is it also more that he's? I mean, nobody was as I think as smooth as Roger Moore in terms of just being very genial. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Brosnan is very. I mean, he's he's he again. He he. The one liners, man, are so there's so much innuendo. You know, but mm -hmm. it's kind of like there's a humor to it as well. When when uh, um, Julietta hands him, you know, the thing that says, listen, you know, would you like to check my numbers or make sure my numbers or whatever she says? Yeah. And he says, I'm sure they're perfectly rounded. He right. takes a moment before he says that because he's like, oh, this she just set me up for like the perfect line. Am I not going to say it or am I going to say it? And then he says it. Mm -hmm. It's almost like he regrets saying it. But it's like, I had to say that, you know, and it's like the way he handles that, I think, is very endearing, you know, so. There's that suaveness about him that I think is reminiscent of uh, Roger Moore. Mm -hmm. But to your point, I think it's also there's an there's a the way he handles it. Um, even when Christmas Jones says to him, you know, we got to go get back that get that plutonium back or somebody's going to have my ass. Yeah. And he looks at her and he waits a minute and he falls. He says, first things first. And she kind of mm -hmm. laughs because it's like it's cute. You know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. cute that he said that, you know, what I'm saying mm -hmm. even though. Mm -hmm. Is a very obvious joke, but the way he says it, the way he delivers it is endearing. So I see that in him is not like I take your point as far as, yeah, he is a really good looking guy. But I think it's also um, just that he doesn't he doesn't take himself as seriously, you know, when he's delivering these one liners. He's, he lets the other person in on the joke, mm -hmm. if that makes it, sense. No, it does. And I think it kind of dampers the the creepiness of it. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Too. Um, I think he nails the wardrobe. He oh, always yeah. looks good. That dude looks good in a suit, man. I mean, he's he has the body for a suit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? He's, I, I he's really just tall enough, love just the, lean enough. The linen suit with the royal blue collared shirt. Oh, you like? <laughs> you know what? I could see you in that suit. That's an Arthur fit. That's, <laughs> you know, that's like an Arthur. Yeah, the linen suit. Because I was gonna go like the suit he has on. Um, Later in the film, I think when he's at Electra's villa, I think it's a darker gray suit. Um, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. then the three piece he has on at MI6. Um, those are the ones I was going to talk about. But yeah, the linen suit, that's an Arthur fit. I could, I could see yeah. you rocking I think that. those are Brioni. I think, I think those were Brioni suits. Yeah, I think that's what, yeah, I think he had Brioni throughout the whole, I think his run was Brioni, just like Tom Ford is Craig's, Craig's guy. Mm -hmm. um, um, but he does. He, he, he rocks his suit. He has a very, he is an elegant look. You know, it's a very elegant look. And I think that's yeah. very interesting for, for a trained assassin, you know. Yeah. You know, this is this is kind of a side note. But you know how I don't recall in any Craig film where anyone referred to him as Commander Bond. Um. Yeah, it happens. It, it happens. does happen. No, no, no way. I'm sorry. In you said Craig film. I'm thinking just about in, in, in the a series Craig film. in general. In a Craig film, I don't think he's referred to. I know in Skyfall when M is writing his obituary. It says Commander, you know, Commander Bond. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody's ever said that to him, though. And he's never appeared in his naval uniform. There we go. In a Craig and film either. So just not that Craig couldn't or wouldn't, mm -hmm. but 
it's way easier to see Brosnan as a naval officer in uniform than it is to see Craig. Yeah. Given what you know about James Bond MI6 agent. Right. As the, as portrayed by those by those actors. That you know, that that speaks it just throws that on the pile about the whole difference between the highborn and the Yeah, exactly. Know, Craig and Dawn look it. more like like they would be Navy SEALs or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like they, I don't know yeah. what the, the equivalent is in the in the British uh military, but they look like the cats that put on the black and, you know, the infrared goggles yeah. and stuff yeah. like that, rather yeah. than Navy, you know, officers who walk around with the little hat on and like yeah. that. Yeah, it looks, I mean, Craig cleans look. up just as nice as any of them, you mm-hmm. know, but there's just the way that Brosnan fits in that, you know, that more Roger Moore lane mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of yeah. how he's, you know, how he carries himself. So let me ask you this, though, because we last when we were talking about Daylights, I, I think I said, you know, Daylights to me had a very strong love story. It was a, it was a romance, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which we don't always get in a Bond film. It was a straight up romantic. There's a romantic element to it. Mm-hmm. Do you think how did you think that Brosnan handled that? Because essentially he gets the wool thrown over him, his eyes with Electra. You know, right. we'll talk about her in a minute. But he really starts feeling something for her even before they actually meet. You know, when he's just Mm -hmm. like looking at her file and having some sympathy for her, maybe empathy, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. he starts really feeling her, you know, catching feelings for her. And Mm -hmm. how did you think that was handled, you know, from Bond's point of view, you know, his because it's hilarious, man, (laughs) because there's a point where, you know, he's determined to not sleep with this girl. You know, he's determined just to do his job and not do the typical thing, like he says in a Goldfinger when he says, you know, discipline 007, discipline. Like he's determined mm-hmm. to be disciplined. Mm-hmm. And yet he ends up sleeping with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can argue, you know, maybe that maybe that's part of the reason she was able to, you know, blind him to the truth for for a, a period of time. And maybe that yeah. isn't, I don't know. But how did you think the that Brosnan's bond um handled kind of the love slash, you know, lust um infatuation in this film? I think he handled it well. I was a little disappointed, so let's do it this way. Had I not had I not seen Honor Majesty's Secret Service, where mm. it was very obvious that he marries Tracy, mm-hmm. she is killed by Spectre like fifteen minutes or twenty minutes or so after the ceremony. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um that that's something that haunts him mm. throughout the rest of his career. You get a clear indication of a, you know a, 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 um, a callback to that, where Electra asks him, you know, have you ever lost someone important to you, or ever lost someone that you? I'm love? so glad you brought that up. Yeah, go ahead. And Brosnan doesn't say anything. He just, you know, he pauses for effect and looks. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're a Bond stan who's been keeping up in all this, you know that oh, he's reminiscing. Well, of course he has. Mm-hmm. But it would have been nice, not necessarily there. But it would have been nice when he's doing his research on Electric King, mm-hmm. because where he's touching the screen and feeling for her and learns <laughs> yeah. about her kidnapping right. and how she escaped and all of that. You know, if there was some on the nose, as you would say, reference to Tracy Bond that mm-hmm. could kind of connect the two. Because sometimes, you know, because what's the pre-title sequence in the Moore films where he actually visits the grave? Was that... Was I that think Octopussy? that is for your eyes only. Yeah. For, okay. Yeah. No, I thought for your eyes only was the assassination of the um, of the parents on the yacht in the helicopter. 
Maybe you're right. I just remember he did visit Tracy by but there's grave, one grave, and then he ends up killing like the Blofeld, you know. Right. He Blofeld throws flowers. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, and I felt I felt that for for this to carry over in the world is not enough. You mm-hmm. know, we needed some sort of private acknowledgement by mm-hmm. Brosnan by Bond mm-hmm. that he's associating the condition of Evel- of, of Electric King. Almost said Evelyn Champagne King with Electric King <laughs> to <laughs> completely different topic. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> if you would have said that, it would have really thrown me off. Go ahead. <laughs> to associate the, the, the condition of, of Electric King mm-hmm. with the condition or the circumstances surrounding, you know, Tracy Bond. Just what helped, I felt. Okay. So, but he handled quick, it well. One quick, I agree with. Everything you just said, and this does mm. not negate anything you just said. Mm-hmm. There is a rumor. I don't know if it's confirmed mm. or not. And I can't even remember where I heard or read this at. But in that moment, when she asked him that question, you know, have you ever lost anybody you loved? And he he just kind of hesitates for just a second, um, which in itself is a callback to Spy Who Loved Me. When, uh, 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 what was her name? Triple X yeah. asked um, Roger Moore's bond that. And he clearly was thinking about. Uh, maybe it was maybe it was Spy Who Loved Me when uh what he what was the pre title no Spy Who Loved Me was the the famous uh, uh ski slopes yeah the ski slope but anyway that was a callback to that moment when Roger Moore's Bond kind of had the same hesitancy hesitancy thinking about Tracy Bond mm-hmm. but there's a rumor though that when in this film World Is Not Enough when Pierce Brosnan's Bond does that he's not thinking about Tracy he's thinking about the previous film Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, where you're not as you're not familiar with it, but in that film he loses someone as well. I won't okay. spoil it, but he loses okay. someone as well. Uh-huh. Um, so that I don't know if that's true or not, but it is interesting to me if they stayed within. Because the other thing about that we should mention about Pierce Brosnan's films is that they were the of all the the, the actors, Pierce Brosnan had the least amount of Fleming original Ian Fleming material to work mm. with. You know uh-huh. these films didn't have those weren't based like on original those. stories basically exactly they were not okay. based on the this the movies like you know some of the other other actors had to they were able to base their films on actual you know core content or source material as they call mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. um so brosnan didn't have that advantage but i'm glad you say all that because i do think that there are there are attempts for um there are attempts by the writers and filmmakers within the brosnan series to show his pathos so you mm-hmm. have this, you in GoldenEye, there was a moment where he's sitting on the beach and, um, and the, his Russian girlfriend, I forgot her name. She's one of, she's a great Bond woman, but I forgot her name, just slipped my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but she asked, she questions him and like challenges him on, you know, why are you doing, why are you following this path? Why are you doing this? And he basically yeah. is like, you know, this is what I, you know, I can't think about that. I have to be cold. He's basically mm-hmm. telling her, this is my job. And, you know, this is what I have to do to, in mm-hmm. order to do mm-hmm. this job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, it was kind of, it was handled kind of weirdly in that movie. Cause it kind of came out of left field. Like, it's just, you know, why are they having this scene? It was like, he's only known her for five minutes. Why are they, yeah. you know, it was just kind of weird, but I saw what they were going for. And I think in this movie in the world is not enough. Once he takes out Electra. And he bends over her body and, you know, he's, this is a woman. He, mm, I don't know if he was in love with her, you know, mm-hmm. was it, was it on the way to being in love with her? I would, I would definitely say that mm-hmm. um, at the very least. And he's had to kill her in order to, you know, prevent her from killing, you know, 8 million people. Um, and there's a moment there where he, you know, he says, she says before she dies, she says, you can't kill me because you'll miss me too much. 
he kills her. And then he says, you know, I never miss. And there's that moment where you're supposed to feel, I think he's going to be, you know, he, his armor, as he says in Casino Royale, his armor is up. You know, he's, he has to be this way in order to, you know, to, uh, to accomplish his objectives, um, to do his job. And there's those attempts at the, the 007 pathos, I think within the Pierce Brosnan run at different points, there's another point and I won't get into it, but there's another point in die another day. Um, as, as, you know, as, as God awful as that movie can be, it does have mm-hmm. some strong, um, character development at points that kind of point at, you know, this, this overall kind of like brooding, you know, um, environment or the brooding, you know, uh, personality that yeah. 007 has that he's kind of hiding behind the quips and the sex and the, the alcohol and everything else. So there, there are those attempts, but I, you know, it's hard, man. Cause in the Brosnan run, I just don't think they were, they were never given enough room to actually flesh some of that stuff out, you know, whereas mm-hmm. with some of the Craig stuff, they got more room to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, but I feel like that, you know, with this, this section we're in is rated bond. So just to think about how Pierce Brosnan's bond handled that in this film, I think he did the best he could with it. And there are moments I really enjoyed, you know, him as bond. I've always liked Pierce Brosnan as bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've always, he's not my favorite bond, but I just like what he brought to the role. And I think that, he did some things that the other bonds did not, you know, and I think one of those is he, he's the most elegant bond to me, um, mm-hmm, but he's elegant mm-hmm. with kind of a brutal edge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, there are, you know, and there's, and again, there's just that little tinge of, you know, the emotional stuff that I think is really important and interesting. Um, and we got some of that in this movie. So I, I liked him overall. I liked him in this movie. Um, all right, let's move on. Women versus villain. This is, this is going to be really crazy. Um, this is the first time. Spoiler alert, like, you know, obviously right. this is going to be the, this is like the first time we've ever, ever done this section where we have a Bond woman yeah. who is actually the main yeah. Bond villain. Yeah. Um, some people have argued before that Renard is the main villain. I completely disagree with that. It becomes very apparent by the time you get to the end of this movie that Electro is running shit. Yeah. And Renard was essentially maybe not a henchman, but definitely second in command. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just to bridge just quickly on the villain side, you really have Renard, Electra and Renard on the bond woman side. You have Electra, Christmas Jones and, um, cigar girl, uh, Juliet mm-hmm. was her name, Juliet. Uh, you said it earlier. Um, my wife, Maria, Maria Gazi. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Juliana da Vinci. Okay. That get her. How do you, how do you, uh, rate women versus villain who, you know, who performed, who do you who do you rate higher in this movie, the Bond women or the Bond villains? The villains. Why? Be- <laughs> Be- <laughs> this is double. This is literally the double edged parallel sword, right? I mean, it's kind of this is this is interesting. So why? How did the villains get the edge over the Bond women? Honestly, because Electra King made for a better villain than she did Bond woman. Mm, explain that. A. L- Electra King as as a Bond woman was so very non-helpful to Bond's mission. And, you know, generally speaking, you know, the Bond woman becomes, you know, the sidekick, the instrumental sidekick that helps Bond reach his, reach his, reach his objectives. Hmm. So that role defaults to Dr. Christmas Jones, played by Denise Richards, mm-hmm. who is not great. <laughs> <laughs> that, 
that's probably the nicest. <laughs> that's one of the nicest like summaries of her character I've heard. But go ahead, not great. You know, so so the stacking of what the Bond women did for this film in terms of memorable impact mm-hmm. um, is far outweighed by the villainous impact. I mean, Renard is. I mean, it, he's you know he's cold blooded. Mm-hmm. And then you add on to the fact that, you know, he can't feel anything. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain sinisterness about him, like when he picks up the hot rock, you know, or when he, you know, smashes his hand through, you know, a table and, you know, he's got a shard of glass in his hand, you know. So and also also, you know, when when there are those moments where you actually start to learn that it's really a lecture that's 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 he's reporting to. Right. Where he becomes vulnerable himself with her, mm-hmm. you know, and laments over how he can't feel things, you know, did yeah. Electra, you know, like Bond better because, you know, the, the, you know, the, the pleasure of their interactions could be shared by the two of them, whereas he can't, you know, share in that. Yeah. He, he point blank asked her. Yeah. He's like, was he a, was he a good lover? You know? You know? And, and then Renard's backstory, it's like, yo, he's got this bullet in his head that's eventually going to kill him. But until that happens, you know, he's actually getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's just going to, like, you know, like a battery, he's just going to rev up until he burns out. Do you remember a quick uh, preview to Q&A section? Do you remember who, which double O is the one that put the bullet in his head? Damn, double O eight, I thought. <laughs> 004? I was going to make that one of the Q&A later on. I'm Glad not you sure now because I don't just, remember. I, I, I didn't put it because I was like, he's going to know that. That's too easy. Um, it was 009. Um, I, you know what, though? I really like Renard. I think that yeah. I think he's he's his potential is not fleshed out, though, because when they set him up, it was like, damn, this motherfucker, like you said, he can't he's losing all feeling. Um, he's he's he there's a clock on him because that yeah. bullet is killing, slowly killing him. But like you said, until he dies, he just becomes stronger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, this dude is going to be the first time I, I remember. I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. But I do remember the first time. Like I remember how that felt to think like, OK, this guy is going to be a really good villain. You know, once yeah. he's revealed and mm-hmm. whatever the final battle between him and Bond is going to be something else because this guy can't feel anything. Um, I do like the fact that they made him a little guy. He's kind of, he's, he's, he's kind of short and he's kind of, he's not big in stature. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that element cause it's like, it kind of adds to the fact that you may underestimate him. Um, but I think that they didn't, they didn't really play off of that enough. They didn't really give us enough of that. He can push himself harder and, you know, go farther mm-hmm. than any man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It mm-hmm. was like, they didn't, they didn't get enough into that. I don't, and I don't know if that's. I don't know if they just didn't develop the script enough or they, that was a conscious decision that they made. I don't know, but it feels like there was just a lot of setup for him that was really great, but we just didn't get all the payoff. I think yeah. we should have got. Yeah. 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 But what do you, okay. So you, so Electra is not a great bond, not as great as, but you liked her as a bond villain. I, you know, I liked her as a bond villain. I liked that she was, that I liked that she was acting from contempt. I liked mm-hmm. that she was acting on the basis of, her father, whom we learned, her, so her father, who, whose money it was that Bond was picking up from the Swiss bank at, in the pre-title, right. that he then delivered to M's office where her father, I forget his first name, 
what mm. was John? He was King? shady. That's all. That's all we need to know. He was. Yeah, he, he was shady. Yeah, he was shady. <laughs> and Bond you know. and Bond calls that out. You know, Emma's like, "That's my guy." We go back, and he's like, "Yeah, he's he's shady though." Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, the money. It turns out that the money is is laced with an explosive of some sort. Mm-hmm. The and dad kills yeah. himself by detonating the Bond. You know, there's this whole intricate thing that happens mm-hmm. that sets off the rest of this movie, um, and. When you learn that Electra, you know, orchestrated all of it, mm-hmm. you know, you learn that, okay, she's pretty savvy, mm-hmm. but she's, you know, reacting off of the fact that I was kidnapped. My father did not pay a ransom for my life, advised by M directly. And so now I'm going to kidnap M. So, by the way, M gets kidnapped. I fucking hate M in this movie. Her really? whole, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> it doesn't oh, make because now is it because of the personal the connection and the personal decisions that she's made even yes. prior to this film? Yes, and that, okay. and not because yeah. it, you know, and not and not because she advised King not to pay a ransom for his daughter. Mm-hmm. I believe that we have time. I'm going to use her as bait to get Renard, yeah. her captor. Right, but it all misfires and goes to hell. But wasn't that the that was the right decision from a from a espionage point? There we go. Because she because because she had that same conversation with Daniel Craig's bond in Silva. About Silva. Right. But now now we could say that there was character development and growth Mm -hmm. because in the Craig version in Skyfall, she's hardened her position and it could Mm. very well be because she learned a Mm. lesson in tomorrow never dies but even in tomorrow never die thanks the world is Mm. not enough Mm. but in the world is not enough you know she makes the she makes a very emotional decision to actually leave scotland where they're where mi6 is headquartered right to go go, to wherever the hell electra is (laughs) because like you know like that's my goddaughter or something like that right that doesn't make that doesn't that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, she's, and she's, and yeah. M is very, very, very vulnerable. She continues to put herself in these vulnerable situations. Yeah. And she, you know, she's always in a position to be saved. And even in Skyfall, she's in a vulnerable position under mm-hmm. very different circumstances. You know, but she's, you know, she's locking and loading, setting bombs and traps and stuff. I mean, she getting, right. you know, she's she, she's doing M you, stuff. Is it safe <laughs> you know? to, right. Is it safe to say she's off her game and world is not enough? Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. off her game a little bit. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. But I and think just, that fits, it, though, because it, Bond is off his game for a little bit. You know, he's he's even though he's he does catch up and he does kind of put things together um, very quickly once he feels like he's been betrayed. There's a while, there's a little space of time there where he's kind of letting letting his emotions for Electra do exactly what she said. You know, remember she says, "I've always had a power over men." You know, yeah. Um, Electra says that, and you would think that a seasoned, you know, agent and to put it bluntly, a seasoned womanizer like Bond mm-hmm. would be somewhat immune to that. But he lets himself fall for that for a moment, and it and it costs. Um, but by the time M arrives, he does say when she comes on site, he's he, he immediately tells M, I think it's your girl who killed her father. You know right. what I'm saying? She, he tells right. her that. Right. Um, so, yeah. But, back, you know, just focusing on the the Bond women and the Bond villains really quickly again, because I, I 
this is a hard one, man, but I agree with you. I do think Bond villains outweigh the Bond Bond women because I do think Elektra is a really good Bond woman, but I see mm-hmm. your points as mm-hmm. far as, you know, mm-hmm. her role there. But I, and then Christmas Jones, I think was, it wasn't just that, it wasn't just that she was, that Denise Richards, and I don't want to pile on Denise Richards right here, but it wasn't just that right. she was like, people said she's miscast. She's just that. Well, I just felt like her character it was very much, it was too on the nose. It was very much like, we are going to put the flyest girl we can find, you know, at, right, at the moment, right. put her in this role and then kind of wink, wink. We're not even going to go to the the trouble of writing interesting dialogue for her. That's you know? the thing. And, and that's, like, we're, I we're didn't necessarily have, have a problem with Denise Richards being in the film. Mm-hmm. I had a problem with, they didn't give her anything to work with. They gave her nothing. It's like, we're not going to give her, we're just going to have her spout off, you know, about I need to go fix the plutonium or whatever. It was just very kind of like, it was like if I was writing about, you know, uh, being a nuclear scientist without doing any research, you know, it's just like, I'm just going to say very surfacey stuff here and try to make it sound, you know, very important or very intelligent. And it's like, it just didn't work. And then they didn't like, you know, all jokes aside, I think Maria Garcia Cucinota was wasted, you know, not wasted. I shouldn't say that she was great in the pre-titles, but I would have mm-hmm, rather mm-hmm, seen mm-hmm, her mm-hmm. later on in the film as versus, you know, getting more of Christmas Jones. I would have rather seen more of her character. Um, so yeah, the Bond women in this film were, oh, shout out dog. We'll give a shout out Money Penny. I thought was great in this film. Her, I like, thought one, Money Penny her, was her, good her in two, this film. Her two scenes, yeah. you know, when she tells, when Bond brings her the cigar thing and she, she says, I know exactly what to do with that. And she throws it away. And then later on, when she tells um, the, doctor, the doctor, she says, you know, <laughs> I, I, she was touched by his dedication. Mm-hmm. She, I, I think, I think her name is Samantha Bond is the actor. And she's, she's always great as Money Penny. And her and Pierce Brosnan had really good chemistry. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, so, yeah. I th- you know, just throwing her in there, I thought she's cool. But Electra to me is, is just a great Bond villain. And I think that's why the Bond villain wins in this, this um, edition of Women versus Villain, because Electra is just, she's, she almost gets to the end, you know, when she's running up the stairs and she's telling Bond, you can't kill me, blah, blah, blah. She's mad. She's really mm-hmm. a little bit off. Mm-hmm. She's really a little bit crazy because she's mm-hmm. willing to kill 8 million people, you know what I'm saying, to accomplish mm-hmm. this, her revenge and to set herself up as, you know, um, this, this kingpin of the and oil industry. family and, and on her mother's side of the family. Exactly. Oil. And, if, yeah. and if this entire, you know, if 8 million people have to die, cool, you know, and she's, mm-hmm. she's kind of, she's, I think she plays that role because a lot of times when villains are portrayed as being mad, mm-hmm. it just goes over the top and it's like, they're just giggling and laughing and shit. Whereas mm-hmm. her, mm-hmm. I got, when she tied, when she has Bond in the chair and she's talking to him and she straddles him and just, she just seems, you know, it's like, oh, it's not just that she's evil. She's a little bit crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I thought she was great. I think I think when you talk about great Bond villains, her name should always be mentioned. Um, so, yeah, women versus villain. You know, uh, I want to give a special to mention to Robbie Coltrane as Valentin mm-hmm. uh, Zukowski, mm-hmm. who's uh, a carryover from, from GoldenEye. But mm-hmm. Zukowski is kind of, he reminds me of General Pushkin from The Living mm-hmm. Daylights. Mm-hmm. Where he's an adversary yet an ally, right? And 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 that and that determination by Bond is is completely based on the context of what the op is. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I'll he brought this. a good comedic element to it. If you you got to go back and watch, I know you've seen Golden Eye again, but go back and watch it because he yeah. was even better. He has one of the funniest moments. And <laughs> in, okay. in, in Golden Eye, he has one of the funniest moments. Um, his, you know, when he's interacting with Bond, it's just hilarious. And he's, I liked him in World Is Not Enough, but he's even better to me in Golden Eye. So go check that out and watch it if you haven't seen it in a while. Um, but I agree with you. He's great. He's great in this movie as well. 
Um, all right. So any last words before we get into trivia? Yeah, I got a couple. <laughs> so <laughs> can we just take a moment and and talk about Electra's body man, Gabor, with this? <laughs> the brother? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why is Egyptian lover in this movie? <laughs> We had this mm. brother, you know, in <laughs> not even a perm, just a conk, <laughs> just a shoulder length conk. Right, right. Who said nothing. Did he, he may have said he a line. He did have a line. He did have a couple he lines. He may have had one line, a yeah, couple in the, lines. In the control room when they were okay. yeah, in the pipeline control room. Okay. Yeah. And I think, I think him and, um, him and Bull, who was played by Goldie, mm-hmm. um, Goldie money, was was puts like where his mouth is, yeah. Puts his money where his mouth is, um, and he was uh, Zakowski's henchman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they were kind of like a um, an Abbott and Costello <laughs> of this film, because like all of the all of the all of the you know you you know you look crazy jokes mm-hmm. were like laid on them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the only two black men in the movie, and I'm like, all yeah. right. It just, yeah. it, 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 eh, I, I really wasn't feeling that. I'm trying to think in the Brosnan run until you get to Halle Berry. I don't oh, with well, the three black men. I'm sorry. Let me not, because there was the MI6. Brother, oh, yeah, Robinson. Who, yeah, Robinson. So, my bad. My bad. Let me not say that. Um, Although, I will say that these they, these two brothers were really done dirty. I agree. I will. And Ro- Robinson, and I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies, it's implied almost, you can almost like, there's a camaraderie between him and Bond, and it's almost yeah. like, you can kind of see them hanging out, you know what I'm saying? Like how, you know, like they might be friends, but even the Robinson character is not fleshed out at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, you know, to be fair, you know, a lot of the secondary, um, and the, and the MI six people are not fleshed out, but to your point, yeah, these two in particular in this film is like, I mean, Goldie gets fleshed out to the point where you learn, you know, he's a mole, he's a traitor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it. But yeah, her, her henchman, uh, good boy, you don't really get anything from him uh, other than the fact that he he cares very much about his hair, <laughs> dude. <laughs> very much. <laughs> um, all right, anything else? Um, yeah, uh, I would watch it again. Um, it's actually making me want to see Tomorrow Never Dies and revisit Goldeneye even more. So the, you know, the effects were a little over the top. Um, mm-hmm. I like like everything was blowing up. I mean, to the point where <laughs> I couldn't. The the caviar factory, yeah. You know yeah, the got, building gets sawed in like half. Yeah. The BMW gets sawed in half. Mm-hmm. Um, it just every again everything's blowing up. I'm not sure where we are continuity wise, and <laughs> and then there's the nuclear submarine and what port. It's it 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 got to points where it was like hard to follow mm-hmm. where this we were is, in yeah. the story. Yeah. I mean, overall, I agree. I, I think this movie, this is not the best Pierce Brosnan movie. And I, I, you know, Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it again, because I felt like it was, it opened up the door for a little bit more interesting conversation mm-hmm. as far mm-hmm. as instead of just looking at a golden eye or uh, even tomorrow never dies. But this film, it, it starts off. I mean, I, I think the first, you know, the first act of this film really makes you think, Oh shit, this is going to be his yep. gold finger. This is going to be his spot. Yep. I love me. Yep. Um, it has that feel to it. It has that potential, but then it does get kind of like the things get muddled um, later on, even though there, there are some great moments, you know, throughout the rest of the film overall, I agree with you. And I, and I think, you know, Pierce Brosnan's run was very action heavy. 
And it does feel sometimes at times like the, the action, you know, took the president precedent over other important elements of the film yeah um the caviar factory i think is a great example because it was like what the fuck is going on it's like they've blown this plane they've blown this thing up like five times and then Where they saw running half. to exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah all right um q a we're running behind so we're gonna go through this fairly right. quickly the first question man this is uh okay so anyway q a is where you know i'm gonna ask arthur three trivia questions based on the film that we just discussed Arthur gets 25 points for each question he answers correctly. Listeners should play along. Keep track of your own score um, after we review the final film of uh, this this year's 007 Accounting. We'll tally up the, all the uh, Arthur's score and your scores. Um, so yeah, you did fairly well. I think you I think you got a sweep last time. I can't remember. You, you may have got a full sweep last episode. I can't remember. But you did. You've, you've done consistently well um, with the exception, I think, of uh, of uh one film early on where you only got one question right but let's see how you do this time so this first one is a softball arthur um you you best as they say you bet get this right <laughs> or you ain't been, you have not only have you not been paying attention to this movie you didn't pay attention to the last couple we watched um all right so question number one i'm gonna repeat this twice first time i'm gonna repeat it or first time i'm gonna say it now is that near the climax of the film bond utters the phrase and it's also the film title, The World is Not Enough. Then he tells Electra King that it's a family motto. In which previous Bond film was this Bond family motto revealed? Okay, I'm going to say it one more time. Near the climax of the film, Bond utters the phrase and the, and the film title, The World is Not Enough. Then tells Electra King that it's a family motto. In which previous Bond film was this Bond family motto revealed? Moonraker. I'm joking. <laughs> Dude, I was about to come through the screen. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? Come on. Stop playing. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yes. On Her Majesty's Secret Service. George Lazenby's Bond, um, about to go undercover as Sir Hillary. Um, is presented with the Bond family crest and he the Bond family motto. So 25 points there for Arthur, um, Arturius Maximus. All right, so next question. When M sends Bond to shadow Electra, she warns him that there is something shadows never do. What is it? Repeat it again. When M sends Bond to shadow Electra, she warns him that there is something shadows never do. What is it? You don't have to get the quote exactly right. I'll give you, I'll give it to you if you, you're in the ballpark. Shadows appear either in the front or the back, never on top. He is on his game today, folks. And he's cocky too. If you could see him, he's really, he's, he's looking real confident too. Uh, yes, that is right. And you almost got the quote exactly right. I think she, I wrote it down here. Yeah. She says shadows stand front. Or behind. Yeah, there we go. Never on top. All right. Another 25 points for Arturius Maximus. Last question. Let's see if you can get a full sweep this time. Last question. Before his final scene as Q, Desmond Llewellyn reminds Bond that he has always tried to teach 007 two things. Can you name one of them for 25 points or both for 50 points? Repeat that again. And again, just just side note, 
in case you didn't know, yeah, this was the last time Desmond Wellen, who had been in the role since uh, From Russia with Love, mm-hmm. this is the last time he ever appeared as Q. Tragically, he died in real, you know, Desmond Wellen died yeah, in a car was, crash man. Like, right after the release of this film, um, which is, you know, he's old. He's obviously a very old man at that point. So it was just, you know, he never, he didn't get to die peacefully, which is uh, mm-hmm. very sad. Um, all right, I'll repeat the question again. Before his final scene as Q, Desmond Llewellyn reminds Bond that he has always tried to teach 007 two things. Can you name one of them for 25 points or both of these two things for 50 points? I believe thing one was don't get killed. And thing two was always have an exit plan. Okay, now this is the part where I have to decide if I'm going to be objective Mm. <laughs> I'll be subjective because you're my boy. I'm gonna look out and just give you both of them. Okay, so for the second one, I'm gonna give you that one because you said always have a exit plan. Is that what you just said? Yes. Okay. The correct answer, the, the verbatim answer, is always have an escape plan. So you're right about plan. that. Okay. So that's definitely a 25 points. Now for the first one though, you said never let them what? Well, never, don't you said don't get killed? Right. The correct answer is never let them see you bleed. Oh right. So I don't think I can give you that you because can't give me that getting, one. yeah, getting bleeding, you know, you know, bleeding is different than the, right. the metaphor of never let them see you bleed is different than straight up, you know, don't get killed. <laughs> so yeah, um, listeners, though, if you got anything close to never let them see you bleed, um, that's twenty five points. Um, but Arthur got the second one definitely right. Always have an escape plan, and then he lowers himself into the ground um, or into the trap door or whatever. So. I'll give you 25 for that. So, Arthur, you got a full sweep, bro. Three out of three mm. on a Pierce Brosnan film, which is supposedly your, your blind spot. So that's yeah. that's impressive. All right. Um, we're running a little over, so we'll wrap this up. But we will be back asapsually with the final. The, because, listen, no time, in, no time to Die is actually going to happen. Barring the world blowing up, yeah. So, um, if you guys again, if you guys have not checked out the uh, being James Bond, the Daniel Craig doc on Apple TV right now, Apple TV Plus, I would definitely look at that and then join us um, next week when we talk about a movie that we'll tell you we're going to talk about, you know, a day or so before we, we, we drop it. But we've kind of gone, you know, we've run the gamut here over these last five episodes and definitely haven't been chronological about it. So it's kind of, you know, anyone's guess as far as what the last film um, in this, this season's 007 accounting is going to be. All right. Reach out. We're on Twitter. Hashtag Mad Unreal with your questions, comments. Um, how do you feel about how do you feel about the Brosnan era? Um, how do you feel about this film, you know, in particular? Um, and if Isaac and I were right or wrong uh, about anything that we discussed. So we will see you next Friday and follow us, man. This actually would be some good advice. Follow us and tell a friend (laughs) to follow us on Apple podcasts and Spotify. (laughs) Please leave a review. We are asking nicely reviews and ratings. Yeah. To leave a review. We're asking nicely. (laughs) (laughs) We're asking nicely now. Are we going to start threatening them in the future? (laughs) Right. It helps. It uh, certainly helps with discovery. Um, and you know, we've, 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 we've gotten some, uh, feedback based off of those reviews, um, as well. So appreciate everyone that has already done that. Uh, that's it. Full lid, man and real. See you next week. Peace. Keep it unreal. real.